Welcome to OK, we're on episode eight with myself, uh, Mr. Stephen, aka Mr. DJ, and uh, Justin over there. He hasn't got a pseudonym yet. We just call him Justin. Jew, whatever. Uh, his name. So I, I've, I've kind of changed the description of this slightly because we don't really talk about video games and all that stuff anymore. We're trying to keep it more musical, um, music centric, but we do go off a little bit. As you know, we talk about Barbie and stuff like that. But OK, we're on is a live stream conversation where we have a bit of fun discussion interesting musical topics and that's it and um, so yeah we might have a bit of bar beat now and again and start we'll start with all as like we've always done with a bit of catch-up so Justin we've been doing since the last had a chat with you online uh, nursing a cold oh, oh god right. it's back to school cold season so everybody is sick everybody in school and everything like that so I've just been Nursing myself and feeling sorry for myself. I hate that. So, I, it's boring. the worst time of year for that, isn't it? It's my favourite oh. time, time of year for everything else, but getting sick, no, I don't want it. It is bad. But yeah, I've been doing that, and then I finished Link's Awakening. You finished it? Well, this is what we were saying. We're going to go about video games, but we're slight I'm right at the end, I think. I'm, I'm on the last, second to last dungeon. I've done the egg, but I'm on the other dungeon. Um, and it's mind-bending, it's annoying, frustrating, but it's one of those things when you're doing it, you go, yeah, I hate this, you, and then you finish it, and you go, oh, satisfying as hell. Um, you enjoy it? Yeah, and I'm sad it's over. You can go back and do the chamber stuff. Could do. <laughs> I could do. You could do, but... Um, <laughs> I might not. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't really, well, I don't rate that, but... Um, no, yeah, it's, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a good... Um, I'm glad I bought it. Go and get a Mario Maker next. It's infinite fun. Honestly, it's infinite fun. And we can um, we can make levels for each other. Which Mario, cool. I don't really like Mario that much. There's no... Um, I like the RPG aspect of um, things like Zelda. Yeah. Dark Souls and, and what have you. But that doesn't really exist in... More platform, that. yeah. It's more it platform, is. yeah. Um, but it's, if, if you if, have you played the the first Mario Maker at all? No. Um, it's just the creativity of what the levels that people come up with. It's not like normal Mario. They'll make crazy levels, which you just it'll blow your mind how they've come up with these things. Honestly, I'd dip into it or watch or watch a uh, watch some YouTube videos of levels that people come through and how like frustrated they are trying to get through these levels. It's, it's so fun. Um, I'm, I, I love it. I'm definitely going back to it after I've um, finished Shelter. Um, going back to this time of year, though, this is the year where I've, I've grown my beard a bit more. Lindsay hates it. It's like shave it off. I'm like, but I'm cold. So I'm wearing hats all the time because I'm really cold and it goes out. When I shaved my head, that was the day. It was like, oh my God, the, like, the world on top of me. I don't know if you've have you ever shaved your head at all. No. Um, it, everything is cold. Everything is just like I'm constantly wearing cardigans and everything, and the beard helps me my face a little bit. But um, but I've got to shave it off soon. You, you used to go off a bit, bit of a beard years ago, didn't you? Only because not on purpose, just <laughs> like I don't really like shaving. It's no, I'm not like that. Sensitive yeah. skin, yeah, um, yeah, you know, it kind of hurts me. So I, I try and limit it to say 
once a week or whatever and go through that cycle. So if I'm only doing it 52 times a year, then that's not too bad. It is kind of annoying, you know, it keeps growing back. You know, you wish you could just turn it on and off when you want it rather than just, oh, it's back again. I spent all the other day shaving it off. I'm the same because I have to keep continuously shaving my head twice a week as well. And then, but and the beard is kind of annoying as well. But you can do it all at the same time with me, beard trims. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk about, which before we get into our main topic, is I joined TikTok yesterday. Um, do you know TikTok? I know of it. It's right. advertisements on through advertisements on YouTube. Is it not for thirteen-year-old children? Oh God, yes. So um, I see a lot of people say, "Hey, you should join TikTok." <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't go that way. Um, basically, like I wanted to just have a you know test it out and see if it's useful for musicians, um, online musicians, DIY musicians, as I say, because you can add your music. So my music's on there. I don't know if any Minion TV music's on there. Probably is. And so you can make a like a little video and you can add our music onto it. And I thought, well, I've got to explore this option because, you know, it's important for DIY musicians. But as you say, the demographic is definitely children, like uh, teenagers, I'd say, but very like... Oh, God. I feel like all the, all the lads want to be like Justin Bieber and all the girls want to be... I don't know, Taylor Swift or something. And everyone is super happy and just like miming the track and all this. And I'm just scrolling down and I was just like, it makes you just depressed. <laughs> just like, so I signed up for it. Well, you know what? I've always got this mantra in my head. If you always want to fit in, you'll never stick out. So I just, I go the opposite of what they do. I've got two posts and literally it's just me going on. Like, just as depressed as it can look. And I put post-rock music on. So I've got, like, Mogwai <laughs> and Cigaros. Because you can't mime to that music. It's just me like that. I'm going to do more videos where I'm just lying on the floor and stuff like that. Because <laughs> I'm just going to, like... I always want to do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. Because, honestly, there's no way I could do, a, like, a, a video when we're just like this. Because I'm 38. Like, it's not happening. <laughs> but um, does that make you want to join it? Absolutely. Your kids will probably be on it soon. I have a hard enough time having a, a Facebook. Oh. Yeah, you've just got Facebook, haven't you? Let alone TikTok. See, I spend a lot of time for my videos saying, hey, you should be use social media, at least one of the things, and be present on it and you know, use it as a blog and stuff like that. It's good to get your music out there. And there's you not even using Instagram, just Facebook and Hardly using that. You haven't even got a profile page or anything, have you? Not yet. No, life is just too complicated to, at the moment. Yeah. With children and all this kind of stuff going on, it's just out of the time to sit and look at my phone. The Your kids are going to probably have an account before you. They'll definitely be on TikTok. They're probably talking about that in the, the schoolyards. Yeah, the when they're older, they're not having a phone until they go to secondary schools so. do you think kids that age um already have phones or do you think parents are kind of like not allowing them to or do you think they're still letting them have one for security reasons things like that when they get to secondary school they can have a phone for security reasons yeah, yeah. it's definitely a, a gateway thing as soon as you've got that it's like mm. if you can like not allow them to install apps and things like that but then again you know what we were like a kids we'd 
definitely bypass that in seconds, you know. I'm not like adverse to them having technology. It's part yeah. of the world now. Yeah. You know, I feel I remember what it felt like for me when I didn't have the internet and everyone else had it. Yeah. You know, and I felt kind of left out and left behind and all that kind of thing. So yes, they can have phones, but yes, I'm gonna try and control what they can have access to, but um, I think it starts more before they get the phone and like teaching them about the dangers and the pitfalls, things like that. So they can be more responsible when they have it. Yeah. But kids, they never do yeah. anything you ask. They'll do the opposite. Yeah, of course they're gonna rebel. We all did it, you know. I remember going to the Butlands when I was a kid and it was just like, oh come and watch this band, Shawadi Wadi. I'm not watching that band. I mean I was right. I went into the arcades instead, and even though I had no money, just to watch other people play, because just the first thing that comes to your mind, you just rebel against your parents, no matter what they try and get you into. <laughs> I know if, if I had kids and tried to get them into music, they'd probably get into football just to rebel against me. I'm like, oh, you know. My kid that's gone you know, to football. It's gone to football, yeah. So, it's, it's, but everyone I know, everyone I know, so I know is just into football and things like that. So, it's, it's honest. You're probably the only other person I know who's, who's not into it as much. Are you in? in you, I can't remember. We talked about it before, haven't we? Like the spits and spats of kind of having a little passing interest when something's good for the city, say, like Liverpool or something like that. But like when the you know the tour bus went through, I was excited. I was it was cool for the city, and I was like, you know what? I might watch some matches. I think the season started like a few months ago or something. I haven't watched any. I don't. Yeah, I don't care about the game. No. Care about, but then you know, I love the city. I love yep. Liverpool. Love Liverpool, yeah. Um, and I want the best for Liverpool. So when the city can get around something and have a big celebration, then yeah, that's it's you. I mean, you were there as well. It's just at that moment when that bus was going past, everyone just felt like you know one elated burst and everyone was so happy there was no animosity at all you know and, you i only know, went because it'd be good for my kids to see it yeah and yeah. also it was at the end of my road so oh well yeah yeah it's like yeah well we won't give that away right we're gonna move on to listening tab i want to know what you've been listening to recently since the last oh, time yeah, we had I've been listening to. um abbey road yes what do you think i've had a, I had, a, had a good listen now I think it's um, really good, exceptional. Uh, what do I think? Um, it's always been, in my eyes, the best Beatles album anyway. I agree. Um, I think there's, I like the additional tracks that you get on it. I think it adds quite a lot to actually listening to the album, it, um, you know, hearing some of the outtakes and things like that. There's some yeah. funny, funny bits on it. Um, you know, it's good to hear them. Yeah, As, I don't know the lags. Yeah, a little slight at each other, and yeah, it, yeah, it takes little, you back to yeah, slight banter and that kind of thing. It's nice, and it adds another level to the humanity of, you know, to the tracks and things like that. So, so yeah, I've been listening to that and Ten Rapid. Oh, okay. I think they just released that again on uh, vinyl. It was a record store day um, exclusive, I think, last year. But they just put out a limited release on a green vinyl. So is, is that why? So because of the kind of, not because of the vinyl, obviously, but because they've been pushing the message or you just, uh, you're, had you already been listening to it? 
I mean, I do listen to it. I think Summer is one of my favourite tracks. Yeah. I'm not quite, but, um, yeah, it just popped up the other day, and I was like, oh, do you know what? I'll give that a listen again. Yeah. Not quite one of those bands. You just kind of like, you know what? I've heard that album for ages. You throw on, you, you realise how good the, those earlier albums actually are. And that was like, that's kind of like an EP or a collection, wasn't it? Of not just outtakes, but rarities, I suppose. Ten Rapid. Um, it's Helicon 2 on that. I think yeah. it is. Yeah, I love that track. Uh, that was one of my TikTok tracks of me just like. One I mean, end. Who, yeah. Part one end. Two. Yeah. I always got a really nice riff, that, uh, the Helicon one. I love that. Really laid back. Yeah, it's, um, it's really good. Um, uh, yeah. What have you been listening to? So. So the big new Big Thief album came out today, which I haven't listened to enough, but I, I've recently got into Big Thief. I know we had someone on here uh, comment saying, hey, they've listened to Big Thief, what do you think? And it made me go back and have a listen to their earlier stuff. They're an indie band from America, um, female vocalist, and I really like them. I have really? listened, listened to an indie rock band in ages. I don't know what it is. It's like So that was kind of refreshing. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of indie rock bands out there, but there's nothing kind of like I don't know. I like I like bands like Daughter. I don't know if you know Daughter. No. Uh, and uh, Elena Tonra is the, the singer of Daughter, and she went on to do um, a side project called X Ray, which I'm really big fan of. I thought the album was like if that came it came out like late last year. If that would have came out this year, that would have been my album of the year. X Ray as X Ray, absolutely fantastic album. But anyway, um, yeah, Big Thief. I'm going to listen to the album. I've heard a couple of the singles already, which I really like. Been played to death on BBC Six Music. Big fan of. But that wasn't the thing I wanted to talk about. It was um, the Joker soundtrack. Now, oh, I yeah. Joker the other day. Um, no spoilers at all, but I really liked it. Um, but one of the things I noticed... Is that, that a spoiler that you really liked? <laughs> not really, because everyone's just given it five stars and stuff like that. And to be honest, I went in there... Well, I haven't I haven't seen anything that wasn't you know glowing reviews. I mean, there's probably are other ones, but I went in there with my hype like quite low because as soon as everyone starts saying five stars, I'm like, oh, just shut up, will you? Just I just want to see the film. You know what I mean? It kind of dampens my um, ability to enjoy it properly. So I went in there, and I know I knew like Todd Phillips who directed it. He also directed the Hangover movie, so I was like. Okay, hangover movies. This is like you know, hanging around his neck like an albatross going into this film. But I loved it. It was just, um, I don't know. I, 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 one little thing that's is it, no, it's not a spoiler. I wish it wasn't attached to the kind of Batman saga as much as it is. I didn't think it was gonna, I thought it was gonna be its own like character study of a character, which it is. But there are some attachments, you know, where the mentioning of Gotham City and stuff like that. And it kind of took me out of it because I don't want to think of DC. Because um, it just makes me think of Batman versus Superman and Justice League and all that rubbish. This, on its own now, Joaquin Phoenix is whacking, whacking, whacking. His performance is is stunning. It is, it's like, it's worth seeing. But one of the things I didn't see mentioned a lot was the music. The music is amazing it's by an icelandic performer which i'd never heard of i'm gonna butcher your name because the name the sex name is crazy but her first name is hilda hilda and go or something like that it's totally not pronounced like that but she's like a cellist and she's done other films and things like that but she actually does music in her own right albums but it's really dark and foreboding it's not something like i've been listening to her all week 
And it's not something you listen to like, oh, I'm going to go out and have a great time. It's not like happy birthday music, you know what I mean? It's really dark. And it kind of reminds me of the music from, even though it's not cello in, in, the, in the soundtrack, but you know, the, have you ever seen Under the Skin? The mm. Scott Johansson kind of indie film that was filmed in Glasgow. Brilliant film. But the soundtrack for that was very kind of experimental by uh, one called Mickey Levy. Levy. Great soundtrack. Or it reminded me of something like, you know, Colin Stetson. You've heard of him? He's a saxophonist. Saxophonist. He does that circular breathing, so he can kind of play multiple parts over each other. And it reminds me of something like that. I was just like, "Wow, this soundtrack's so good." And I did a reading up about it this week because I've been obsessed with it. And it was odd because she sent the music to the director, and the director was shooting to the music, which is odd. Really odd. You don't normally get that. It's normally you get scenes, and then we put music on top of the scenes. But it looked like it was like the other way around being influenced by the actual music. It's cool. So, like, it's a weird one because with soundtracks, I like to see the film with the music because that's what it's made for. So, like, but I say, like, go see the film if you're looking to... If, if, you, if you're interested in that film and then go and listen to the music because I think it works on its own as well. It's just, like, but don't put it on if you're, if you're not feeling, uh, like, happy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It won't make you feel happier. <laughs> But it will kind of. I have had a little listen to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I looked at the Spotify playlist and what have you. There's a playlist as well, and it's got like Frank Sinatra and stuff like that, which is all from the film. But there's an actual dedicated soundtrack by the. Um, yeah. By the original one. Um, yeah. Gary Glitter's on it. Yeah. The, the actual playlist. That was weird. I turned to Linda. It was like, you've got Gary Glitter in this film. And um, I went home and apparently had yeah, this uproar about it. And I was like, it was a weird choice. Is it? You know, that's the thing I don't understand. Is it a weird choice or isn't it? It's it's weird because they must have known it'd be a talking point, and you don't want something in the middle of a film to make you go, "If you use the Gary Glitter song," because it takes you out of it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, but it makes you feel on edge, a bit weird. All oh, right, great, we're giving money and exposure to a a creep. Yeah, you know, a I, criminal. I didn't know how I felt about it. it. It took me out of the movie, and that was yeah. And I didn't even think about like that being a, like a sore point for me. But yeah, it was a bit weird. I, I like it. I, I think it's a. I dislike the fact that he's may get a paycheck from it. Yeah. But, um, but I like it. I like the the sort of idea of maybe using it because it it's totally on purpose. That it works. It works in the film. Totally works. You know, oh. oh right, yeah. You're trying to be cool to some music there, but it's Gary Glitter. I, I say, I say, it works, but I can't have been the only one who didn't turn around and say Gary Glitter. And you don't yeah, want you, know. you don't want people doing that in a film. You don't want people turning away from the screen to talk about something that's outside of the film. If you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know. Now, I can you, talk. You yeah, extends it, it, but I don't know. I think it just adds to. Uh, I don't know the general feeling of this isn't right. Yeah, I mean, compare it to the Joker. He he's not a nice guy. Mm -hmm. It's weird because you kind of understand the way he the way he becomes the Joker, and I like that side of it as much as like I loved Heath Ledger's um, in you know the Christopher Nolan version. But it's got the insights of how he becomes that. You know, when he's when the Heath Ledger version just is the Joker when he arrives. And you're like, you know he's great. 
he came there. He, well, he talks about the scars and things, but everything, every time he says, every time he, he it's a lie, every time he, he yeah. changes the story, which is really compelling as well. I love that. That in its own, you know, box is brilliant. This is a more of a kind of a character study of how someone become transition to that. And normally for me, I don't like prequels, um, but this blew me away. It was just maybe because of him. Like I, I, he was born to play that role. I, I couldn't imagine anyone else, you know. And that's why I mean, I tweeted out that night that night saying, please don't let it be connected to like Batman, because a guy in a leather suit in that film would just be embarrassing. It would be really embarrassing. Just have it as a standalone thing. It's done. Move on. Or every like DC movie from now on has got to be character studies and ditty, um, ditty, um, like gritty. You know, don't yeah, do what like, Marvel's doing. Yeah, you know, think about that. The Dark Knights are really. Good. I thought this was weirdly enough more grounded in reality than the Dark Knight. I mean, we go off films. We're totally going off off the the music thing. I should be drawing us back. Come back, come back. We'll start a movie podcast. But anyway, yeah, the Joker soundtrack. I think it's worth checking out, especially if you've well, seen. Well, we'll go see it at yes. the weekend. So then you can, yeah, then you can um, get a bit of context. Um, so anything else you've been listening to before we move on to the main bit of the show? Uh, I don't know. Some random playlist post rock. Every other post-rock band under the sun. We need to make it okay we're on Spotify playlist for all the tracks that we're kind of like mentioning and it can kind of add to it each week. That'd be we quite should. good, wouldn't it? We definitely yeah. should do yeah. that. We'll do that. Let's do that. Uh, let's move on to... Well, not Gary Clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not Gary Glitter. God, that's like seven minutes. But this is definitely going to get demonetized, isn't it? Like... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, physical versus digital media. Then, so this is the. There's each time. Each time we're gonna have. Uh, okay, we're on. We're gonna have a main bulk of the discussion. Like last time, we kind of st we stumbled onto the Mercury Music Prize because it was on, and we realised, hey, it's good to have a main topic. So this week's topic is a discussion about physical versus digital media in terms of music, or we might go off into film and stuff like that. But how do we start this? So I've got. I've got some links and things like that about, you know, today uh, HMV has announced that it's uh, it's going to have, like, the biggest store in Europe, and we can talk about that, like, it's opening today, and, you know, in spite of all the, the warnings of, like, physical media going away and all that stuff, they've opened the biggest HMV store, which is quite interesting, so we can jump into that. Uh, I've also got a, what's this thing, another BBC article from earlier this year, which is a bit clickbaity. Is this the end of owning music? Um, so it's just quite an interesting article. We can go through too. And uh, we've got like this bit of spatter of all these national days. It's a national album day tomorrow. Um, whatever that means. It's also cassette store day tomorrow. Yes. Um, I didn't know it was going, it's been going for the last six years. I didn't know. I thought it was like the last couple. And um, we've you also have early in the year record store day, but another one I didn't know there's a record store day Black Friday, um, which is a, it's an extension of um, of record store day. So it's it's really odd. So the need for all these things. Have you do you want to start off with anything you, you said you've made some notes earlier? There's something that you kind of drive at. Uh, yeah, I mean generally what you're kind of saying. I mean mm. I, I don't get the idea behind a, a cassette store day. I, I've never seen a cassette store, and cassette, if we're talking about physical media, can, cassettes 
at the bottom. It's the worst. It's the worst one. You shouldn't have that. I uh, I have them. I mean, one part of it, like the other part of it, is this. Um, I like. I'm. I've, I've got a problem. I'm, I like stuff. Um, and I like music paraphernalia. Is that the right word for to say? It, I suppose I'm only collecting tapes which I like. And I, I think this kind of falls into an interesting uh, section of this discussion. Really, is that because years ago everyone used to buy music just you know willy nilly. Let's say that's an English description for whenever you want or whatever. Um, nowadays, it's like you've got people are careful with what they buy because streaming is available. So when people buy vinyl, it's like they hold it up and cover it and go, I got this vinyl. Years ago, when you went to a, a, sh a music shop, you went, oh, yeah, cool, three for 10 quid. I'll buy three of them, blind buys, or, oh, I like a couple of those tracks. Now when you buy something, you commit to buying like a record and the prices are like 20 quid upwards. You are making a commitment. You're, like, you're holding it up and saying, I bought this record. Like the Tom York record, we talked about that endlessly. I, I was going to buy it, you know. But like back in the day, it was more a case of just like, oh, I'll just buy anything. Now it's kind of a more of a commitment and something you covered. And that's why I'm with tapes when I go around to like charity shops. And if I see, if I saw like Dark Side of the Moon on a cassette, I'd be like, oh, I'm buying that because it's something to have. And recently I did actually use my Walkman because I've been sick to death of those. I use have an iPhone and those little connectors. I've been through three of those connectors now. And you have to pay like 10 to 15 quid to replace it. And I've done it like three times or something. And I was like, no way, I'm not doing this. So when I went out, I just took my tape walk, went out instead. Since then, I've found an old iPhone with a normal connector. And I'm just using that. So I'm going around with two iPhones. <laughs> They're ridiculous. But yeah, you don't do any of that though, do you? You don't, you've got no kind of, like, you, you, you're not bothered about buying anything physical at all. I'm not, no. Um... I think when it comes to physical versus digital, I do not believe that one is better than the other. Um, I think it comes down to suiting lifestyle. That's definitely one thing. And then also um, making a connection so that you can be closer in some ways to an artist. Mm -hmm. I think physical things, so like say vinyls and, and and whatnot even cassettes you know that gives an opportunity to put something physical in your hand into the listener's hand that is designed by the artist yeah you know be it a you know the the artwork and the feeling of vinyl and all that kind of thing um so i think there's definitely a cause for that um but then i also think it also comes down to how you listen to music. What is your ritual? In, in Ritual is in, a good word, definitely. You know, and I think mm. that, can, that plays a big part as well. Yeah. You know, where, where do you get that ritual from? Yeah, a lot of it is nostalgic. That's just always how I've listened to music in some ways. You know, people saying it. Um, but then also, yeah, you, you know, you've bought this, you've supported the artist you know there's a direct kind of you're giving money to the artist these days 
as opposed to many years ago when you were buying a CD, an artist might get four pence out of that, yeah. you know, CD or record. Whereas nowadays, there's more of a case of, yeah, if I buy this record, I know that so-and-so is going to get music for it. That is odd, isn't it? Because there's kind of a responsibility shift in some ways that now the consumer has a bit of responsibility to support the artist. And I I don't know if that's... that's a, it's partly a good thing, but it also feels a bit wrong. It feels like we we should want to buy the thing. But I, but I also think there's no way you could actually do that. Because obviously you can buy the merch and things like that to show you support. And But to, I don't know, it's like... I mean, it's a different discussion about digital, buying digital tracks. I mean, even iTunes have split their stores up, and I think they're, you know, the, them selling, Apple selling tracks now is going to, it's, it's, it's going to leave us. That's going to, at some point, they're going to stop that service and just be a streaming service. That's definitely no plan. So it feels like sometimes when you like Bandcamp, I love, I'm a big fan of Bandcamp, but the idea of selling digital tracks to me, it feels like at some point, it's 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 literally just it feels like a support thing because you can stream it for free even on Bandcamp you can stream the tracks for free so why do you buy them just for the support like you say so I don't know where that falls into the the future like it, it needs another part of the equation for pe for people to actually get paid like they used to if that makes sense <coughs> I don't think ever, anyone's ever going to get back to that no no it's, it's no one's going to put it back in the box it's it's out. Streaming music went out with like Napster and things like that. And, uh, mm. Yeah, that, that, that's never going to happen. It's all about, you know, we've experienced in our lifetime huge, you know, changes um, in this subject of physical to, to digital. You know, when we were born, it was tapes, you know, and vinyl. And then when I suppose middle, we saw kind of cassettes end of that mini disc yeah you know and then coming into piracy you know the downloading of of music into purchasing of digital digital music into streaming so you know we we've experienced it all you know yeah it's quite crazy so i think like we've got quite a a unique you know, our generation has got a, a kind of a unique kind of view on these things, like where we started to learn to love listening to music. It was in the physical form. Mm -hmm. so nowadays, my kids aren't going to have that. No, and so that's important. Isn't it? And is you know, is a part of your kids' future a part of the equation? Are they going to learn to want to support an artist like? Or are they still going to be into the bigger mainstream artists who don't have that kind of support mechanism in place because they don't need it? You know, they're still going to have the 360 labels all around them. But for, say, the younger artists, the IYR artists, who's, and I always say, I mean, this is a, a well known fact if you, you know, listen to any marketeer, especially in you know, music, that you only need like a thousand fans, um, like dedicated fans who will support you and you can make a living out of that. Like, are the future kids going to be bothered by that though? Because they don't remember a time before when artists had a more, I suppose, lucrative deal, I suppose, um, compared to now. So, are they going to be bothered or are they going to be like, music's always been free because that's all they know? You know what I mean? It's it for them, 
are they going to be bothered about vinyl by the time they're like 20? Are they going to be bothered about buying vinyl to support an artist? Like, I buy vinyl because I liked vinyl. And I, you hit the nail on the head before with the ritual. Like, at home, we'll put a record on. And Lindsay, like, she could say, oh, put Spotify on. Or tell Alexa to put Spotify on. But we go, oh, put some records on. Is there something nice? It's kind of like a fireplace almost feeling to it. Like, oh, put it on. And, it, you know, and it feels nice to do it. I don't know what it is. But I don't think people, like your kids... I, don't, I can't see them having that because they never had it. I think I think they will have it. Um, yeah. I think it'd be different um, to how, say, we've had it. I think thinking back to sort of a teenager, do you remember when you used to get into a band? Mm-hmm. There's a band that you really like and literally they become everything in your life. Yeah, true. You know, you've got posters on the wall. You've got T-shirts of them. You've got... I never put posters up on a wall. You know, <laughs> no. Um, and you kind of dedicate to them. Yeah. So, And I think part of that will be the discovery of oh, these big vinyl things. So I don't think it's ever going to go away as such. You know, because there's always going to be that, oh, it's good, but have you heard it on vinyl? It's true, and it's kind of like, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's not a case of support, is it? It's a case of an extension of the art. So if, say, your kids start getting into, oh, God, let's, I can't think of any future. I think, um, what's his name? Or Taylor Swift or something like that. And so they're the massive Taylor Swift fans, or idols. I say idols. They're the big idols fans. And then suddenly they get the T-shirts and everything. And then you want, oh, the record? Because they're saying, hey, buy our record. It's brilliant. It's got brilliant artwork and all that. They might not even want to play it, but they might want to put up on the wall or on the shelf to say, hey, I'm into this band. I'm a fan. Fandom isn't going away. No. It's never going to go away because everyone's a fan of something. Can we just talk about, like, you know, films for... We should have talked about films for about five minutes, but because we're both fans of films and stuff, we just went off and talked about it for 10 minutes. Everyone's a fan of something, and people still go and see gigs. And the biggest thing at gigs is buying T-shirts and things like that. Like that's how they make a lot of the money, I suppose. Nowadays, it, especially with the DIY bands, and that fandom and that identity that you know people use music and bands to form their identity. Yeah, well, definitely. Certainly they used to get into tribes and things. Yeah. When I was young, yeah. um, you know, whether they do that now, which I imagine they do, I don't right. think things will have changed that much. Yeah, it's like every, like a lot of big artists will kind of have a name for their fans. You know, you, yeah. I suppose like you have uh, Little Monsters is like little uh, Lady Gaga's and supposed to be Beatles with Beatlemania and all that. Um, I don't know what Radiohead fan would be. Radiophonic guys? I don't know. I can't think of anything. But it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's just um, at the moment for me, I, st- I, I would never buy a full-priced cassette I suppose, unless it's from someone I wanted to support or a band I really like. Like The National uh, are going to release a, a couple of cassettes exclusively for Black Friday's Record Store Day, which is bizarre to me. Um, and I think it's only going on a cassette and streaming. So there's a bit like, I'm a big fan of that band. I was like, ooh, you know, I bought their Record Store Day release last year, which was a live version of one of their albums. And it was only on sale for that day, or like a special version or something like that. And the bit of me is like, oh, I'm a fan. And it's not just because 
Um, I want to support them. I think that's not even part of the equation when I'm thinking about it. It's more a case of like, as we're saying, yeah, getting to that equation of it. It's the fandom aspect of like, I want to have it because I love this band so much. Mm-hmm. And I want to show the world. It's like with Radiohead, you know, same with Radiohead. We do the same thing. We talk about Radiohead, Tom York so much. At the end of it, I go out and buy the Tom York record. And it's not because I'm like, I'm really hoping that money goes to Tom York. I really hope, like, he knows I, I appreciate him for us. But I don't care. I just, like, I want to listen to the music because I love it so much. And I want a, another way to experience it, an extension of the art, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've come with, like, a bit of a, a slightly 180 on that. Um, we'll dive into the, uh, is this the end of <laughs> music? Which is uh, is an interesting, like, yeah. But I did something interesting I wanted to, I wanted to talk about on there. Um, share. Does that come up? It should come up, yeah. right? So, is this the end? This isn't fair of January, but it's all about 2018. So, sales of CDs plummeted by 23% last year. I mean, at some point, we're going to get a national CD day or something because yeah. uh, we've got cassette day, and you know, what else are we going to have? As consumers flocked to streaming services for their music, just 32 million CDs were sold in 2018. That's more than I think it would be, to be honest. Almost 100 million fewer in, than in 2018, uh, 2008, that's so 10 years earlier, and a drop of 9.6 million year on year. Uh, the growth of vinyl also began to plateau with 4.2 million records sold. It's quite a lot, though. A quite rise, a yeah, quite a lot. Uh, shrinking shelf space in supermarkets contributed to the slowdown, but HMV's troubles suggest we are increasingly uninterested in owning uh, our music. So the whole HMV thing we'll get onto in a minute, but yeah, I don't know if you remember a while back, a load of HMV stores had cl- were going to get closed. We were going to close down in the UK, and someone, I think from America, maybe Canada, came over and just bought the rights for HMV. Because, um, you know, we've talked about before, HMV don't really know what they're doing. Like, what do you sell everything? And if you sell everything, you've got no identity. Um, but he's like uh, going to champion um, that, which we'll get to in another article, which I'm a bit like, I don't know but what he's going to do is going to work. But the this is the interesting thing. It's quite funny. The top 10 biggest selling albums in 2018, right? So physical and digital. Now 99. Look at that. Physical sales of now 99. Wow. Why? Why are people still buying that? This is beyond me because... 1999. Of now 99. I don't know. Oh, is that the number that they're up to? I think the number that they're up to. So is it a case of, like, people have been collecting it for so long? It can't be just collectors. Because you can get all those tracks separately on Spotify, etc. I'm guessing. So you don't need to go out and buy a CD. Because that's the thing that flummoxes me the most when it's like... When it's like a uh, you know a playlist type album, you can just go and stream it. Why would you buy that? Or is it is it an older generation thing? People who haven't adopted streaming services are more likely to be into things like now because it's been going so long they can remember it when it like started. It was the start of the eighties, something like that. Is it is it that kind of thing? Is it a generational thing? You think? I am surprised. Yeah? I am shocked. That, that is up there. I mean, I'm guessing that the divide of the blue for digital is digital sales, not streaming. I don't know if that contributes to the, the cost here. It's like people buying it on iTunes and things as well. I mean, you can get some of the others, the, the soundtracks, I kind of get. Like these were kind of big films, like Mamma Mia, Castro, it's big on ABBA. And uh, I've never seen The Great Showman, apparently, 
pretty good. Um, but I get it with soundtracks because people see a film and they want to own a piece of the film. It goes into that. It doesn't feel like a, a musical, you know, a fandom thing if you're talking about before. It's a different different thing. You want a piece of the film, piece of the experience you've just had. So I guess there's that. But uh, Ed Sheeran also, like more people on streaming services or digital, see that kind of, that, that feels like the wave there. You know, people moving it all over to there. But I see that. I remember seeing that album in Asda and every shopping market. It was everywhere. Um, now 101. Okay, that's worse. Okay. Now 101. <laughs> Look at that. I didn't even notice that. Because now 99. It was massive. But I, I skipped one there because now 101. Where's now 100? Oh, there. Okay. Now 100 slightly bigger than now 99. But now 101. Absolutely massive. Um, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why people are buying that. Has this anyone said even? I just, I don't really get. They're big numbers. They're massive numbers, aren't they? Um, but for certain types, like if these are the top ten best-selling, there's no bands in there apart from Ed Sheeran, I suppose. Drake's album, but they they kind of like those two are kind of obvious, I suppose. But these compilation albums, it's odd. I kind of think it's to, it's the oh, I've bought you a present for Christmas category. You know, yeah, there can't be that many grandmas out there still <laughs> buying CDs now. CDs, it does the... feel like those kind of people, though, doesn't it? It's because it's, it's not me, and I still buy physical media. I would net what. I'd never buy a now. I don't think I've ever bought one, to be honest. So it's not me. Um, these people, I'd like to see the numbers this year compared to last year, if that's dropped off, if they still do. I'm guessing they're still doing the now things. But um, that's crazy sales. Anyway, I wanted to move on to... Uh, I'm going to move on to another tab, which is... Where is it now? Share screen. Um, okay, so the HMV thing. So, this is the announcements of this new HMV that's going to take. Can the world's largest HMV store work in a digital age? It's a good title. The world's largest HMV store is opening its doors to shoppers just months after the chain announced dozens of branch closures, spanning 25,000 square foot across one floor, almost the size of 12 tennis courts. That just reminds me of Andy Dufresne for some reason in Shawshank. You know, he, he climbs out of, like, football fields worth of dirt at the end. Anyway, it's a weird way to describe it. HMV Vault in Birmingham that promises to become a nirvana for music and film fans. Ah, I get that. With dedicated spaces for vinyl, CDs, and DVDs, as well as performance areas for bands to take the stage. Um, so that's the one. So this is the guy. Uh, the move is an all part of a new owner, Doug Putman. It's a good name. Doug Putman. Vision to simplify the offer for HMV customers, combining clicks and mortar oof, in time to mark the firm's centenary on the high street in 2021. So there's a bit here, he says he wants to do. Okay, we know that people want to stream music when they're out, but they also want to physically go in the store and purchase something special, something they love to add to their collection at home. Uh, oh, yeah, so 
Yeah, that's the bit I want to say. We have really listened to customers, and what they tell us is they, uh, they want to face a face-to-face -face interaction of flipping through stacks of vinyl opposite another person to say, hey, have you heard this, and share that experience. That already happens and happened. How is this any different to what HMV did in the past before, like, you know, MP3s started this the evolution or evolution of like streaming music. They want to basically make a record store day, a record store experience, but that didn't work. Do you know what I mean? The skeptical part of me is that's not going to work. Um, you know, it's unique to try and use a brand which has got a lot of shareholders reliant upon it um, to try and re revitalize but the, I, I i wouldn't say that the music industry needs revitalizing i don't think it's dying no you know i think certain areas of it aren't as popular as what they used to be and aren't making as many people as rich as what they used to be yeah true. You know, and that's what that reads like yeah and i don't think that's i don't think it's right at all i think they're still making a lot of money um for, for the bigger artists I read that the other day about um, Spotify still making making a lot of money. I mean, this is the thing. It, it, it feels like this is a art an article from ten or twenty years ago. So, especially this bit. Lee Dan, the owner of one of Birmingham's remaining independent record stores at the Discovery, said while he did not mind competition, the opening of the new HMV was a concern. I think uh, I think we've still got clientele who will come in here as our LPs, a second hand. He said, "The people who come in here want the original vinyl. HMV can buy a job lot, like fifty LPs of Led Zeppelin, and they can get them at a cost. Whereas us independents can't compete with that. It's going to be tough. What is different, like compared to like ten to twenty years ago? It feels like that same thing happened. Yeah." I don't. I, I just. I was reading that. And I was like, I don't really get what is going on there. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I get with the the performance. This that's the bit that stuck out. Like, okay, that's a good idea having the performance area. But HMV is kind of already adopted that. They've been doing that for years. Having performance, you can see bands performing stage in 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 the place. But if they're having a, a proper dedicated stage, not very unlike rough trade records in london or you know we've got what's the what's the what's the uh god what's the one in town owned by the jacaranda can't remember they've got it in their dedicated stage and a record shop and a, and a coffee shop all in one these hmv just feels like yeah well basically we're gonna make a an independent record shop that isn't independent that's what the feel that's what the feel is do you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me like, how can it feels like they need to do more? As I say, I'm always a big fan of like, oh, you should have a coffee shop somewhere else in there to kind of chat about music. You should have listening booths somewhere you can go and like have a cool experience of listening to music. You should, you know, have talks, QA sessions with artists, things like that. Talk more about that rather than, hey, we're going to do what we did before and, and see, see if it works again. That's what it reads to me like. And like, okay, you've, You've uh, shut down a load of the other stores. You made this giant store. You called it the Vault, which is a weird name because that reminds me of Fallout. Um, and then you've got the you know independent stores worrying. They shouldn't worry because they'll they just they'll last throughout whatever. They they they're the people who get the support. You know, 
until like H and V start selling secondhand vinyl. I just, I just, I was a bit flummoxed by that when I was re reading. I'm thinking, well, what can they do extra? What, what would you, what would you want from a HMV store now to make you go in there? What would make you go in there? Whoa. I mean, uh, again, given you don't want to buy physical media, is there another reason not? Would you go in to see a band in there like you like, and maybe get get something signed? I, was, I don't need you probably wouldn't that. There's no way that a band that I like will go and play <laughs> HMV. It's true. That's very true. It's You're not going to see Radiohead. You're not going to see Sigur Ross in up. And I'm not even talking about, you know, the big ones, Radiohead, Sigur Ross, Mogwai or something. I mean, even talking about small ones, independent, you know, just starting up bands. Would you have played a HMV? Um, um, it depends. Like, I suppose it depends how many people go there and... You know what's on offer for you? What's the sound like? Is it a good venue? As I say, that the one owned—I can't remember the name. I should Google it. Really, the one owned by the Jacaranda in town looks pretty cool, to be honest. And they, have, they do get some decent bands in there, and they basically just do a couple of tracks and sign some albums, and you get yeah. to see them in person. That's kind of cool. But under the HMV yeah. kind of thing, that's a like, little bit less like a corporate. Yes, though it's definitely you know, owned by the Jacaranda. Or, a bar in town which has a big history, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it's less like, would you play a McDonald's? <laughs> and this is the problem. You've, you've, this is the problem because HMV shouldn't be McDonald's in our heads. HMV should be a place, you know, his master's voice. It should be a place where we um, celebrate music. But it it's become, I don't know, it's become a bit of, what's a place that just sells a bit of everything? You know, like a... U.H. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> the one step away from offering you chocolate when you buy something. Yeah. You know, it, the independent record store guy that you mentioned shouldn't, you know, be afraid at all. No. It's like on Bold Street in Liverpool, there's a lot of independent... Um, cafes and restaurants, and, and yeah, and vinyl places as well. Big vinyl, yeah. it's like them getting um scared oh, by Starbucks, yeah, because yeah, Starbucks has opened up or Taco Bell opened up at the bottom. <laughs> you know, someone who is going to go to their independent shop or cafe or whatever to go and have something to eat is probably more less likely to go to a, a taco bell and the same way that you know mu people that buy music that buy it from an independent record shop are less likely to go to hmv to do it yeah you know and it's those guys that are supporting the industry at the moment i suppose like i've been to hmv to buy vinyl before and a lot of it is like it's 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 not as convenient now because the issue is online. Online is a big factor. So how can these like let's leave ind independent record shops out of the equation at the moment? What would make you go? Say if you wanted to buy a record and you you could have the choice to go to town to pick it up in person from there or buy it on say Amazon or somewhere and it's like five pound cheaper and it gets delivered to you the next morning or that day. True. See, it feels like the the factor is of these brick and mortar shops are trying to save. 
they don't do any more than be less convenient of getting the item you want than on and the online does. So they need to do something more. And that's why I, and I mentioned this before, but it, they need to do more with the social experience and interaction. And they touch on it there going, well, we want to have that bit where you're flipping through vinyl and going, have you heard this yet? It's like, that's not enough because you can text your mate with a photo of it and a clip of the music and say, have you heard this yet? Do you know what I mean? It needs more. Make it special. Yeah. That's the thing. So that you are going into a space which, I don't know, take idols. You know, maybe they've put some photographs up of idols that idols have, you know, you know, some that's, artwork on. That's and a great like that. idea. So that you go and you want to, oh, and do you know what? I really want to go and see. Yeah. These paintings or what have, what have you that the artist has done, or and I can buy the vinyl there, which has been signed by the band. You know, if Stanley Donwood, because he's bringing out a book of his artwork, if he was he went into one of those HMVs and then his artwork was all around, maybe he was doing a Q and A and signing the book, I'd be like, I we should go. we should go down. But there's no mention of anything like that. And I would throw money at it. As yeah, well. yeah. And there'd be a queue, but it just—it feels like it's just they're still old-fashioned in the way of the thinking. They're trying to relive because they think, "Oh, people are into vinyl now, so we'll take a step back because it's nostalgic." But it's not—it's a—it's a new version of what that kind of industry is. You've got to realize that it isn't just about people going through crates because it's not about blind buys now. People normally know what they want to buy because it's an extension of the fandom. They go, I'm a big fan of Radiohead. They've got a new album out, i buy that. I can't imagine, you know, I suppose I was speaking just for myself, really. I don't go through crates. I mean, I've never really did anyway, so I might not be the perfect example here, but definitely now with 20 quid, because vinyl is upped in price, you know, because they've made it heavyweight and all this crap. I'm not, um, I'm not going to blind buy a record at all. So I'm not going to have you heard this and someone goes, oh, you should buy it. No, I will check it out on Spotify or something first and live with it for a week if, if I don't know. If, and if it's a band I really like already, yeah, I'm already going to do it. But no one's going to convince me. Some guy I don't know and we strike up a conversation. Have you heard this new band? Oh, it's really good. You should buy it. Oh, yeah, it's 25 quid. No, it's not happening. It's not happening. But if there was someone there giving a talk about it and they were showing tracks off, maybe talking about like the, you know, experience about making it and and as i always say that i've said it a lot in this podcast the extension of the art then it's having another way to kind of appreciate that art form that isn't just going there and picking up a square and going oh this is a different format oh well, there's an old format i'm gonna buy this and put it on my wall it needs more it, and that's it, what it, and I mean, make it special exactly that's what it's all about is make it something more than what you can get on amazon yeah you know? In, the Apple shop band, does it. You know, bands are more than just the music that they play. Yeah. You know, they're, they're a, a group of people or a person, doesn't matter, that, um, I don't know, you, you like the way they look, you like the way they talk. I mean, if you sent a link around the other day of Tom York on a, an American chat show, <laughs> I would have looked at that. If it wasn't Tom York, no, you know, if it was on Halfway, you'd be like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't care. I don't know why it's on Halfway. Um, so things that are connected to bands, you know, have a, a very special nature to them, and that's what 
should be happening. That's exactly. To encourage people, do it more about just the music they created. If you go to the likes of Worlds Apart and um, places like that, I've seen some of them which will have like tables out for people to play card games. So mm-hmm. the, the stuff that they sell, you can actually go in there and play with. If you go to a Waterstones nowadays, they've got a coffee shop and they have an offer of like, if you buy one of the latest books, you get a free cup of coffee and you sit there and read it. And I feel like they should be talking about stuff like that, where they go, hey, we're going to have an album club or something like that, where we all get together at late sometimes and we all chat about an album or a music book club or something like that. It should be about social interaction other than just what we've already had, which failed <laughs> do you know what i mean should be an extension i keep saying that but it it, it doesn't feel like that maybe, maybe they will maybe it's just the early days but it feels like through this story it feels like we've just opened the biggest the biggest place that you won't go into now you know that place you didn't go into before we've made it bigger yeah. that's all they've said it's like okay because we could already see bands in the spaces that we already had announcing their new albums and stuff like that. And I mean, if you look at the, the picture of Doug, what's his name? Doug, Doug Putman. <coughs> Doug Putman. I keep thinking Doug Funny from the old cartoon. Doug. Um, he's holding uh, Rumors by Fleetwood Mac and Abbey Road. So it's almost like he's still hearkening back to classic albums, he's not looking to the future. He's yeah. just like, hey, nostalgia, we get it. We've got, look at this, we've got pictures of like default uh, vinyl on the wall and loads of rows of vinyl. I've been to the HMV in town and they've got stacks and stacks of vinyl. Guess what? I've seen vinyl before. I've seen stacks of vinyl before. Show me something new. Show me new experience. Get me involved. Make me go in there and go, oh, wow, this is cool. Yeah, you know, get into your shop. You get get me into shop. <laughs> it's, it's, not, mm-hmm. it's not happening. It's just a... It's just weird. I don't know what to say. But so physical versus digital, I suppose this is the the close-up of this conversation. Um, I did put a Twitter poll up. Um, and I only thought about doing this like a couple of hours before the show. So I only got three votes, unfortunately. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, do you lean towards uh, digital, physical, or both? And those three votes went to both. <laughs> so that's yeah. where I lean as well. But obviously the people who follow me are probably into collecting things as well and you know, supporting <laughs> So that's, that's what I lean. I think both is a good conclusion for it because I don't think one is better than the other. You know, that's, that's a simple fact of the things. Um, you know, both let you enjoy listening to music. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's what we, that's all we want. Yeah, and the future of it is still both because no, nothing ended. It just, as is said in the article, it just plateaued. Doesn't mean it ended. Maybe it's plateaued. People did it, and it's just still happening. Yeah, and places like HMV are not going to be able to revitalize things. No. Independent record stores, you know, yeah. there. That's where the interesting stuff is going to happen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I say I, I keep saying it. Waterstones for me managed to do it by having the interaction of the coffee shop and of the Q and A sessions and all that stuff. He did. I'd love to see HMV do. You know, take a similar similar step, yeah. but but from this, this feels like eh, not happening. Um, okay, so I'll end that part, and we'll just end with Easy Rider, oh, part where I ask uh, Justin. He he never gets it unless I give him like loads of clues anyway. But it's a bit of fun to end it with. So I basically ask, I basically describe a musician's rider for a show, and you've got to 
guess who that musician is. You won't get this one, but it's I I, I didn't know it. Okay, so there we go. Free oxygen tanks and have a real ear, nose, and throat doctor on site when this person is on site. Um, where are you getting all these from? You're just making them up. No, no, no. I, I'll provide in the show notes the link to it. Is oh. that meatloaf? Oh, God, no. But that's a good guess. That's a guess I would have went with, to be honest. That's a good guess because he's, he, God, he just, he blows it, doesn't he? I, I like meatloaf in Overlooey. I'm a big it's fan. The thing of he has an oxygen uh, tent on stage, and he's not well. He's not well nowadays. He walks with a limp, and I think he's collapsed on stage a few times for, due to exhaustion and things like that. He gives it all because he gives it everything. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's good. I think he gets a lot of flack, but I think people like. Um, I mean, he's one of those people that when he sadly passes away, um, people will be like, "God, wasn't he good? Wasn't he brilliant?" You know, you'll just see all the performances and everyone go, "God, he was brilliant." Go back to those early days, that first album, Battle to Hell, fantastic. Um, but no, it's not me, love. <laughs> <laughs> Just a simple no would have been. <laughs> it's music. Uh, is it someone more modern? So, okay, here's a, here's a bit of a clue. So this person was part of a big band during the 70s, and they were, especially him in this band, very into, like, drugs, crazy uh, crazy lifestyle, uh, big, massive rock band. I, I suppose you could say the first heavy metal band. I think uh, there's an argument to be made there. And mm -hmm. so when he hit this, so this rider was from 1999. So it's a lot of years later. And he, I'll say to him, um, he needs a lot of help nowadays to get through. So was he was born. Yeah. What made you say that was what was the what was the clue? A big band in the seventies, lot of drugs. <laughs> it's a lot of. I was about to say, and he bit a bat. He yeah. bit the head of a bat in '99. Apparently, drunk. I think was it drunk his own urine. Did you ever see that? There's a film on Netflix about. Oh, what is that band? Eighties band, Motley Crue. Motley Crue called the Dirt. Document, okay, not a documentary, a biopic about. I, I don't think it's really that. Decent movie anyway, because I hate. I'm not really a fan of that band's, especially how they're portrayed, because I don't like any of them. But uh, Ozzy Osbourne turns up and he pees on the floor, and then I think he pees on the floor. I think it's pee, and I'm not going to go into what what else it could be. And goes on the floor and then licks it up, and it's just like, oh, did he actually do that? He probably did. That's real musicians. <laughs> Rocket rock. <laughs> Peace and love, peace and love. I don't know what ring is though. Anyway, uh, that's uh, yeah. Can I bring this back to us? Yeah, um, that is the end of episode eight. Um, you can check this out on uh, Spotify now because it's officially a podcast on Spotify. Link below. Okay, we're on episode eight, and we're back either next week or the week after. Well, whatever. Um, but for now, I've been Stephen, aka Mr. DJ, and he's Justin, and he'll be on social media at some point, or this will be the running joke. Right, we're going to freeze now when we press end broadcast. So, bye!